how much more cool would Jesus have been with a lightsaber? Can you imagine that whole scene of him in the temple? Oh, what we, we 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 threw over all the tables, all the money changers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And and right, you know, right, instead right. of him just like flipping tables over, going motherfucker, you know, <laughs> if, if he if he had just went, zoom and just start just laser lightsabering people in half. So it sounds like you're looking for the scene where Anakin kills all the Padawans at the Jedi Temple, except it's money lenders instead. Exactly, it's the money changers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then and then you know that whole scene up on the cross, you know where where he's doing the whole you know <laughs> mother your son son your mother yada yada you know he could have force powered you know people down there I think that would have been cool they haven't been badass I am told, is, I, you know what I'm doing I am rewriting the gospels <laughs> I, I, that Mel Gibson movie would have been a hell of a lot better. <laughs> And I don't know if you know, there is the the Bible action graphic novel. Uh huh. Uh huh. Have, yeah. have you read this? I have seen it. It's actually it a pretty good art. I don't hey. own a copy, but I've flipped through it at the bookstore. You know, you just you you start substituting, you know, force for Holy Spirit. Well, you got to work. You got to work. You got to work the b- Banthas and desert people in there. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, this is great. Well, those are the Egyptians. Uh, <laughs> the Jesus Christ, Jedi Knight. I like it. I, I could see. It, I could see that happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could be a trilogy. It could be Jedi Padawan from and, when you know he was very young, growing up, and then Jedi Knight, and then, and then Jedi, Jedi Master, right? Yeah, and Judas. Jedi Christ, I would watch that. And Judas, you know, is you know a Sith Lord in training. You know, a failed Sith Lord, obviously, but you know, well, he's 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 the betrayer. You know, uh huh, yeah. He's he's he is a uh, Dooku. He is uh, oh, who was the other guy who turned? Uh, shoot, red face guy. Darth Maul. Yeah, Darth Maul. There we go. Yes, Darth Maul. He's Dooku. Or red face guy. I'm not talking about American Indian, Aaron. And a sixteenth of me right now is outraged. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I went to buy a book today. Comic shop. I spotted an issue right away that made my jaw just drop. With an exciting blurb on the cover, five magic little words in a row. Somebody dies in this issue, and that's all I needed to know. When I looked to my dismay. to read and want to save my wallet came undone cause there were alternate covers by alternate artists five different color schemes for each with hologram gate bold embossed title covers some die cut with metallic ink and all of them came in poly bags to ensure collectability collector's cards included in the poly bags for me I ended up 
Well, do the math. That's what? Five covers times five cover schemes is what? 25 books, right? Wrong. Five collector's cards in each one. So you've got to buy one copy of each cover with each card because you never know which one's going to end up being worth something. That's five times 25. 125 comics at $2.50 a pop. That's what? $312.50 plus tax to get one issue. And that's not even including one that I can read. Took up smoking crack today. It's not as bad as it looks. At least it keeps me entertained, and it's cheaper than comic books. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And I'm Andrew. Hi, guys. Why do we change my name to Polly, but we don't call Andrew Andy or Wayne Weenie? Because you're Polly. You're Polly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you called me Weenie, I'd have to hunt you down. Or (laughs) Wayney. I like Wayney better. You don't really want that, do you? He he actually might. Yeah, he actually might, because he could be laying in wait for you, Wayne. (laughs) And and then he can claim the castle defense uh, when he goes to court for your murder. That's right. Yeah. So, well, yeah, he may be trying to tempt you into coming after him, yes. January well, 1st is coming up very quickly. And even if he kills you in his front yard, he's just going to haul you into the house and say that <laughs> that's where he shot you. It, 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 it'll put some sort of knife in your hand and say that you're about to attack him, and uh, he had no choice. Yeah, I see this, this happening. And this had nothing to do with Paul's mom's jokes at all. I think about this often. <laughs> he's got an elaborate – he's got like a wild – Paul, I picture, has like a Wiley Coyote scale blueprint of this that he's been working on for months now. Yeah, I have a sign on my front door that says, you know, death and return of Superman novel fans. Enter here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny, Paul, because I think about often what I have planned for January 1st. <laughs> oh, Lord. I feel like a death of the family is coming. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the I feel like the podcast might expire around January first. <laughs> no, no, new hosts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just, you know, Andrew, just think of how many more hits we're going to get when the news, you know, breaks that you know two of these podcasters murdered each other, you know, uh, some kind of, of 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 suicide pact because they were, you know, lovers, psychosexual. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, then all the, we get all these, you know, fresh hits, you know, because people go, well, I want to hear what those guys were doing. Well, and I would move up in the order too. That's it? right. A lot. It, it could be funny books with Aaron and Andy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Second billing. All right, guys, you need to make this happen. That's Paul, right. Wayne, See, I love you, by, but if you, go you, by Andy, go. you really need to add Sheriff as a title. You need to be Sheriff Andy. I do like Sheriff Andy from Eureka. He's a fun character, but I don't know right. if that really flows. Well, I, I really don't want to have some kind of, you know, uh, you know, official sheriff rank structure here, you know. But, you know, I could see you as a Commodore. 
on the Commodore web. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Aaron, I haven't seen these commercials from Target uh, that feature a lady of a certain age uh, in a, in a tracksuit. What does that mean of a certain age? <laughs> practicing and training for Black Friday. And, you know, she's doing oh. exercises and is like practicing swiping her credit card and is on the elliptical and for some odd reason. For some odd reason, that makes me think of you. So, are you are you stoked? Are you ready for Black Friday? You know, I actually have very deep concerns about Black Friday because oh lord, well, <laughs> everyone's worried. Go ahead, <laughs> very no, very worried. I, I, I'm actually going to be out of town, and okay. uh, we're going to be. Uh, I think we're going to be somewhere where I have no access to interwebs. Oh, no. And I have to say, tell you that for the last two, maybe three years, I have done almost 100% of my Christmas shopping online, either on Thanksgiving Day or the day after Thanksgiving. You don't, you don't wait till Cyber Monday? Well, you know, Amazon has had so many fantastic deals those days. Where so, are you going with no internet? Are you, are you taking your vacation at the cabin in the woods? Essentially, yes. <laughs> don't you have a, uh, you don't have a broadband uh, satellite little thing you pop into your laptop? Uh, I do not. Is your phone a, a, a Wi-Fi hotspot? Uh, it is Ooh. not. You don't have an iPhone? I have an iPhone, but the I don't think we're going to be able to get uh, cell reception. 3G? Yeah. Oh, all right. Wow, you, you are camping out well, somewhat odd. It is, it is uh, largely so I can get away from work. <laughs> you know, the, I'm sure you can drive into town and hang out at the Starbucks. Oh, Starbucks is probably closed, but I'm sure their Wi-Fi is still on uh-huh. in the parking lot. I think we're going to a town where there's not a Starbucks, to be perfectly honest. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> now, you know, last year at least here in town, Starbucks was open till noon on Thanksgiving Day, and it was awesome. <laughs> My son and I were out. We had to run up to for one some last-minute thing to the grocery store. As we drove up, we saw all these cars in the drive-through at Starbucks. Like. Holy cow, Starbucks. So, of course, we went to Starbucks. So They wow. drove up on their matching segways. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I had Andrew and Benny Andrew. When Aaron said there was a town with no Starbucks, I was thinking, where is this heavenly place? I must move there. <laughs> well, uh, I am I, I'm, I'm deeply concerned that perhaps Comixology might run a really good Thanksgiving sale because they have run such crappy sales over the last two weeks. Aaron, yeah. I will call you. I will text you. I don't say Comixology is selling blah, blah, blah. And if it's something you want, I will gift it to you. But here's the thing is that if you text him and he's somewhere with no sell signal, That's he's right. not going to get your text, Paul. Yeah. All right. But, you know, you, 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 there's logic there. All right. No, so I'm I, just going to buy you. I think it's a good idea, though, because when he gets back where he gets the text, then he gets that text. He'll and be it's tortured. Like he just teased. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be tortured. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, Wayne. Um, I find you guys hurtful. Hey, you know what? There's a good sale right now. <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> there's good stuff. They have GI Joe. Which no, I that's not. That's not a good sale. And they have Courtney well, Crumrin. I'm interested in that. Also, not a good sale. I'll be honest. I thought when I saw GI Joe, they'd have the original series because the last time they on the Fourth of July when they had the the last original GI Joe series, I did pick up the first four trades for you know half price. But this is actually the newer GI Joe series, so I picked yeah. up the two free issues and I'll take a look at those because it's free. Yeah, that's probably what I'll do and see if they're any good. And if they're good, I'll pick up more. Yeah. So, um, so Aaron, we know you're uh, apparently eating squirrel in the woods for Thanksgiving. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, are you, are you going to have electric power even? <laughs> you know, we can only hope. All right. So, Paul, what are you going to be doing for Thanksgiving? Um, well, I, I'm going over to the family's house. Which family? Is this a family you know? Are you breaking no. into someone's home? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to a family's house. 
See, he's coming to my family's house while I go out to the other family so he can be waiting in the house when I get back. That's With a knife. That's what he was going to do, but now apparently you know. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast has gone to a dark place. (laughs) I feel like this is the strangers of podcasting. Um, No, I'm going to my family's house. Uh, for for Thanksgiving, and we're gonna you know we'll, we'll do the usual the, the turkey and the, the the sides and all that. I will be doing probably a ton of shopping online because much like Aaron, I do a lot of my Black Friday shopping online. Um, I mean, pretty much every store this year is open on Thanksgiving instead of opening on Black Friday. They're opening up at like eight p.m. on Thanksgiving, and that just that's just not my thing. So I, I will probably do all my shopping online. I don't understand the fascination of getting up from your uh, from your family table and going yeah. shopping on, on Thanksgiving Day. I don't understand that. Essentially, and to get the good deals, you pretty much have to skip Thanksgiving dinner altogether. Yeah, I don't get that either. I uh, I don't. The, yeah, I, I just like spend the day laying around the house. Same eat, here, eating turkey with the family, and then maybe going to see a movie that night. Yeah. yeah. So last year, after we finished Thanksgiving with Sarah's family, you know, we're coming back home, and I just out of curiosity, I wanted to drop by the Best Buy. Just go through the parking lot, see if anyone was camped there yet. You know, on Thanksgiving Day at around 2 o'clock. So I pull into the Best Buy parking lot, and it's already stretched around to the side of the building. And there's a van there where someone's pulled up and started selling, like, coffee and hot chocolate to people waiting in line. And I'm looking at the uh, the van thinking, man, that's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? So are you going to roll up this year and uh, sell your old comic books to people waiting in line? Okay, now that's a pretty good, great idea. <laughs> Are you bored? I Are you got bored? Topic. I got Superman 175. Well, I mean, just even think about it with the stuff that, that you just want to get rid of. You could kill on a quarter comic sale. Yeah, that's awfully cold out there. Well, well I don't know. I don't and, know about Texas. And it does require a certain amount of initiative, which I clearly lack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for that first podcast check to roll in. It's coming. It's in the mail. Yeah, for our advertiser fees. Yeah, that's right. It's coming. In fairness, it's actually a bill, but it's in the mail. The bird of salesmanship has not reached our okay. podcast. Okay, stop oh. it. Stop it. There's none of that here. <laughs> uh, sigh. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, we, so Wayne, you said, uh, "What are you doing this year?" Did, did, did Wayne say? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wayne hasn't said what he's going to do this year. God, we this is this is podcast gold. Uh, nothing you, spectacular. We uh, we usually go to Sarah's family while I have a turkey going in the smoker at home as my excuse to leave their family as soon as possible. <laughs> and then we come home where my, where my family comes up and we uh, we do the Thanksgiving dinner here. Now that is audio gold right there. <laughs> I feel like we're editing a lot out of this podcast. Or no. <laughs> oh, no, I've said that on the air before, I think. I have no problem editing that on the air. Her family doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> so, Andrew? Yes, sir? What's your social security number? Uh, five. T- wait, wait a minute. <laughs> no. What, what are you uh, doing for Thanksgiving? <laughs> for Thanksgiving, uh, well, you know, usually we, we either go to one of the grandparents' houses. We either head to my parents' houses or, or my wife's parents. But this year is a little different. We're uh, preparing for a big move the week after Thanksgiving. So we're just going to stay in town. Um, we're going to go over to my sister-in-law's house for Thanksgiving uh, dinner. And we're going to probably spend the whole freaking weekend pack, uh, packing up the house. So, yay! Woo! Woo! Very exciting. Uh, out of curiosity, when does everyone put their Christmas trees up? 
because we'll probably do that on Friday when I'm not shopping. Mine will go up on Monday. Yeah, we usually do it the week after, but since we're not going to be in the new house, we probably won't do it until the first week of December this year. But you are going to put one up. Yeah. Okay, just checking. Do I look like a communist? I just wanted to make sure you weren't going to do something effed up and say, we won't have a Christmas tree this year. We're just going to, you know, we'll do a wreath. You know, I didn't want you to be that guy. So tell me when your parents did this to you, Aaron, because obviously <laughs> this is what you've been carrying with you for a while. It's true. <laughs> so, the, so when did your family stop putting up trees and start doing a wreath? You know, it was it was one year where the decision was we're not going to put up a tree this year. We'll just do a wreath. We'll, we'll get a natural wreath in the house so that it has that, that piney smell, but we won't mess with putting up a tree. We'll do stockings, and uh, you know that was the year Santa died. And how and how old were you? How old were you that year? Thirty-seven, um, <laughs> nine, something like that. Wow. It was, I mean, don't hard. get me wrong. We still had Christmas, but it was fucked up, is what it was. No, no, I understand. <laughs> I get that. And I want you to imagine nine-year-old me standing in the middle of the living room, going, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> I, no, that's that's horrible, man. I I would never do that to my son. You know, a couple years ago, you know, when the economy really started tanking. I was a little tight on funds. So I went to my mom and I'm like, mom, you know, instead of everyone getting everyone a gift this year for Thanksgiving, you know, cause the family was growing. My brother, sorry for Christmas, <laughs> instead of everyone giving everyone something for Christmas, you know, my brother got married. I mean, the family was growing. I'm like, why don't we just draw names out of a hat? I've never seen my mom's eye twitch <laughs> <laughs> until that moment. And she was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, so we do Christmas up with all these gifts and and Christmas trees. And my mom has, I think, two or three Christmas trees every year. Did, did your mom say, "What do you cray?" Yeah, what do you cray? <laughs> and then she punched me in the neck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, she, she got a little uh, little angry with uh-huh. me. By the way, that yeah. is the right and proper response. If anyone ever comes up to you and suggests that you exchange names only by one, you you punch them in the neck. You call them cray. <laughs> So then, Paul, was the week after Christmas the uh, the week of returning stuff so you could pay off your credit cards? <laughs> no. What I, t- what I did was I asked my, – my birthday is on December 10th, so I asked for lots of cash and gift cards. Which you then recycled into gifts. <laughs> yeah. You, if, you, if you get a gift card this year where the name is scratched out, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. I just wrote the wrong thing in first. <laughs> now, I am uh, notoriously cheap. And uh, so, so really what I do is uh, after Halloween, I begin evaluating those people that I can, you know, alienate through the end of the year. You know, I, I intentionally sabotage relationships so that I don't have to buy him a gift. For instance, Tim's not on the show. Just saying. <laughs> I just stopped talking to people. I stopped returning phone calls. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, David Sedaris uh, has been on record that. When he gets Christmas gifts each year, he writes it down in a journal, and then he also estimates on how much they cost. So that next year when he's buying gifts, he can look back at that and reflect and help him decide what he's going to buy huh. or not buy for someone wow. for next year. Which I don't know if you've ever guys have listened to a David Sedaris Christmas. I, I love David Sedaris. That is a that is a holiday tradition listening to the Santa Land Diaries. It is it is funny, funny stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you, I've if, never heard this name before. He, he is hysterically funny. He I was, feel like we have enough fodder here for a Christmas episode of Funny Books. It, no, I, I, we, we're, we're, we've already tapped it out, Paul. <laughs> Wayne, <laughs> the short answer is that Dave Sedaris is – he was kind of a comedian writer and he he 
when he was younger, was doing odd jobs. And so he got, he's kind of a small guy. And so he got a job working as a Santa elf. And so why he worked at like this big department store as a Santa elf, he, he started writing about it. And it was kind of his first big, as far as I know, his first big thing he did. And as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, Bad Santa is loosely based on that. Loosely. Loosely, loosely. based. But, you know, he uh, he did, he wrote it as just a very short essay to begin with for <clears throat> National Public Radio. And it was so right. huge, you know, National Public Radio started running it year over year. And then he did a, a, a more lengthy essay, which is like 15, 20 minutes long in spoken word form. And it, it launched his career. And, I mean, he is hysterically funny. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, well and you, if you go looking on, uh, uh, oh shoot, help me, uh, NPR show uh, with, uh, oh, you're, you're uh, last, uh, um, this American Life. Right. There's an episode from I can see in the number a few years ago, which is a David Sedaris, which he'd written a new book of. At this point in his career, he talked about how he'd been pigeonholed as the Christmas guy. Right. Every year, people came to him for something new for Christmas, all these different publications and stuff. And so he wrote a book of Christmas stories so black and dark uh-huh. that people would leave him alone. Well, and he does this story called The Christmas Whore, <laughs> 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 where, where he talks about when he was a kid. And, and it reminds me of something that happened to me when I was a kid because you know there was a homeless guy down the street. And you know the weather was going to be rough, and I offered to let him sleep on our back porch one night. And, uh, you know, he, his family had kind of a similar situation, but, you know, they invited a prostitute, you know, to come stay in their home one night, you know, came home and had to explain that to, to their parents. He, he tells a story cause he traveled in Europe, uh, for a number of years, uh, lived in Europe for a number of years. And he talks about the different holiday traditions there. And he talks about how, uh, I want to say it's in Holland where, uh, it's not such a friendly Santa situation where, you know, they explain that, that Santa might be coming and uh, you, know, you tell the child Santa might be coming. And if you're good, he's going to fill your, your shoes with, you know, candy and, and toys and whatnot. But uh, if you've been bad, he might stuff you in a sack and carry you off with eight to ten black men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, that is one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. Yeah, Wayne, you should you should check it out. He's yeah. he's hysterical. He is very I funny guy. I definitely want to now. He's a funny, funny guy. <clears throat> All right, short like a hobbit. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah. Speaking of hobbits and 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 Christmas cheer, there there was a, a little bit of an announcement this week that that made me very happy. If you so, I had planned to see the Hobbit in the new forty eight frames per second projection that they've been touting for it. Um. And have you ever seen one of those TVs that everything looks so eerily crisp and real? Right. They, they, apparently, The Hobbit was filmed that way. They have certain theaters that are showing it in that projection. Um, however, they announced that if you see The Hobbit in IMAX, you're going to get nine minutes of Star Trek Into Darkness in IMAX. Mm. I don't yeah, know how that, I feel about that. Uh, okay, talk to me. Did you say Star Trek Into IMAX? Into darkness. darkness. Okay, I could have swore, okay, swore he actually said into IMAX. Or like that's, that that's was an interesting one. different name. The Star Trek into IMAX. Um, I, I'm curious to see footage from the film or to, to see just frames from the film, but uh, a nine minutes is a big chunk of movie. And yeah. I, I really don't want to be that spoiled going into, into Star well, Trek because I really do is, enjoy Star Trek. It is more than likely nine sequential minutes, just like the when they did the preview of Dark Knight. 
in IMAX. Yeah, with, but um, I, I didn't. I Am Legend. See, yeah, I didn't see that either because I didn't want to be spoiled. Uh, it's probably like the first nine minutes. Oh, I, I'm I am psyched. Oh, I mean, I will I, probably if, do the same thing I did for Dark Knight, and I'll watch it online a day or so after it's been out anyway. No, because it, would, it is probably nine minutes filmed specifically for IMAX. Because I know uh, Star Trek um, Into Darkness, they are actually filming some in IMAX, kind of like The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. So I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about this. I'm actually surprised to hear, Aaron, that you, that you are... Uh, I, I really li- I like to... There are certain movies, Star Trek being one of them, that I just like to be completely unspoiled when I go to see it the first time. You know, I, one of the things I hated about Dark Knight Rises is how much of the first, you know, sequence we had seen prior to going into the movie. You know, I, I feel like most of the power of that scene with the capturing the airplane was lost because you knew so much of that was already going to happen. And I don't want that to ha- I don't want that to happen with Star Trek because, you know, I didn't see a bunch of footage prior to seeing Star Trek 2009. Um, and if I had seen that whole you know, opening scene with Kirk's father and whatnot, you know, online or, or, or part of a, a, another preview, I think that I would not have enjoyed it quite so much. I don't think it would have had the power that it had. So I'm going to sit that one out. I wow. actually, I agree with you, but it's kind of a moot point for me because we don't have an IMAX theater. Uh, the closest one's two hours away. So, uh, but even if it, if I did, I don't think I would want to see that much of the movie that far ahead of time. Wow. 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 Too, that far away for an IMAX? I mean, I know <laughs> that, you're in the middle that's of what nowhere, Wayne's but a problem <laughs> Wayne's yeah, like, "Whoa, what's going on?" Yeah, I'm with because I'm with you guys on uh, not wanting to see too much of it. I don't mind it because I don't mind spoilers, but I know a lot of people that quit watching movie trailers because too much of the movies come out. I just don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, I know a lot of people that are avoiding Avengers trailers because they said, "You know, I'm already sold. I'm already going to go see it. I don't want to see all of these scenes of the movie. I want it to be fresh." I like teaser trailers. You know, yes. Uh, I, the best teaser trailer I ever saw, and I'm sure I've said this on the on the podcast before, was for Highlander, where it, you know it, it opened up with just you know a couple of flashing swords between uh, you know Connor McCloud and the Kurgan in the warehouse, you know the big sparks flying off their swords, and then it was a big you know rain scene and a big flash up on his you know wet face, and it said he is Connor McCloud, he is 1500 years old and cannot die, Highlander, and I'm like fuck yeah, I want to see that movie. <laughs> That is all I, I needed. I don't like teaser trailers because they don't give me – they typically don't give me enough to give me any idea if the movie's going to be good or not. They let me know if the idea is good or not, but not the movie. That's all I need. Just get tell me the idea. Yeah, If a movie is one that I'm already sold on, then I don't need to see the full trailers and all that. But if it's one that I'm on the fence or not sure about, then yeah, I need to see the whole trailer just to make up my mind. Yeah, I don't want to see the whole trailer. I think trailers have gotten too long. They've gotten too much information in them. You know, I just I don't care for it. If only Jonah Hex's trailer had a little more information, I wouldn't have gone and seen it in theaters. The thing is, is I'm always going to go see the comic book movies. I, you know, it doesn't matter how bad they are. I'm always going to go see the comic book movies. So, Dar- so, so, Aaron, I assume you're in uh, for the newly announced Black Kiss two movie then. Oh yeah, absolutely, totally in. <laughs> They're just skipping the first one entirely, just jumping straight to Black Kiss two. <laughs> they want to capitalize on it being outlawed in several countries That's and right. you know, strike, get that free publicity <laughs> while they can. Told, I am in, and I'm buying the Blu-ray. <laughs> you have to go to one of those special stores. Where the, front room <laughs> the special is, store. Yeah, where the front room still has VHS tapes. 
and the <laughs> movie is Fast Times at Ridgemont High, <laughs> and you go into the back room where all the new releases are. I like it. Yeah. We have a couple yeah. of those here in this area. So, yeah. Yeah. I I can't say that I just go to see anything automatically. It's a comic book movie, because I didn't see Ghost Rider 2 at all. Good. Good. That's I, good. I didn't see the first one in theaters. The first one was great, it, though. Yeah. <laughs> First one was great, Aaron. No, it was I'm not. Say great. It was I better than the second one. I didn't rush out to the theaters for Catwoman or Elektra. Well, Catwoman, no. no I still like Catwoman now that I think about it. <laughs> no, I didn't like the look of the Halle Berry. Yeah, I, I have to confess, yeah. I've not seen Catwoman either. No. No, you can be proud of that. Uh, but I did see, I did see Elektra. And I did. I, I watched the first thirty minutes of Pun- Punisher War Journal. And then you fell asleep. Yeah. And, well, it, the acting was so bad, I had to, you know, eject the disc. You can't fall asleep watching Punisher yeah. War Zone. You but, just get angry. Yeah, you just have Feels to eject, eject the disc and break it over your knee. I still haven't seen it yet. And I, I, I tried to watch the second Ghost Rider movie last week and, and oh. turned it off 20 minutes in. I, I remember it's awful. I remember Aaron emailing me, oh, I bought Punish, Punisher Warzone. I got a great deal on it at Walmart or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Aaron. Yeah, oh, it was Aaron. I am so sorry. I really enjoyed the Thomas Jane version of that movie. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah, I did too. And I, sometimes I feel like we're the only people that did because there's so much hatred out there for it. Well, Thomas Jane was a was a great Punisher. John Travolta was maybe not the best villain he could have had uh, right, opposing him. But, so, the but, Russian no. was good, though. The what was good? The Russian. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I liked it. I, I like Thomas Jane Punisher, but I think that's where a lot of people's complaints about the movie come from. It's not from Thomas Jane. It's from John Travolta. I think people just expected it to live up to the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, and it just didn't. Stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of living up to expectations, we're, we're kind of moving into death in the family. Of. And of. of. God bless it. <laughs> I was so careful not saying all of the family, and I still screwed it up. <laughs> so this week brought us Batman 14, which continued that storyline of which I shall not name. Aaron, what did you think about it? <laughs> what did you think of all in the family, Batman triple X? <laughs> it's the meathead issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I rather have. I, I, I let me preface this by saying that I think this was an awesome week in comics. I, I re- almost everything I read, I loved this week. Almost. Uh, We're going to talk about that crappy one here shortly. Um, but I, I, I totally dug the Death of the Family books. In fact, uh, there's one of them where I, I, I was like, why am I reading this? Uh, and then it, it brought it home. So I mean, I, I was, I think Batman, Batgirl, uh, uh, Batman and Robin, all really good books this week. Um, so yeah, dug them. Dug him. Uh, what are we talking about first? Are we talking about Batman first or Batgirl? Bat- first? Batman first. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Batman first. Sorry, I screwed up the outline there. I, uh, you know, I just don't understand what the hell your problem is, Paul. You have I'm one sorry, job. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Aaron didn't listen to my my fine transition because he's too much laughing at the fact that I mis misspoke the title again. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it. Um. So you know, uh, Batman. Good stuff. Scott Snyder. Greg Capullo. Uh, it is it is an awesome book. Uh, I I love how moody the pages are. I like how lost Harley is when we, when we open up into uh, this issue, you know, we, we were left in kind of a cliffhanger in Batman 13 with Batman being trapped in the, you know, chemical vat, uh, you know, with a similar chemical mixture that turned uh, Joker into Joker. 
I, I think this book is fantastic. I just I, I'm digging the artwork. I'm digging the pacing. I love what a melancholy, you know, uh, terror tone has been set by Scott Snyder and Capullo's uh, uh, artwork. It's just awfully darn good. This story is quickly becoming my favorite Joker story of all time. Yeah, it is certainly it is certainly poised to be a a landmark Joker story. Yeah, I mean it's surpassing uh, uh, Killing Joke, the second Batman movie. Very much is becoming the best Joker story I've ever read. I don't know if I, I, I could love... compare it. Oh, go ahead, Paul. Oh, no, I was going to say I love the Alfred stuff. Oh God, um, you know we but... haven't mentioned that yet, but the Alfred scene. Yeah, so Alfred got kidnapped by uh, the Joker in the previous issue, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we don't get to see Alfred in this issue, but we get to hear him. And I got to tell you, that was chilling. Yeah, that, 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 that entire and you know you don't and like Aaron says, you don't see it. You know, it, it's basically Bruce Wayne or Batman listening to an audio cassette, and uh, I just and uh, I love how the audio cassette. Like there are different visual flares where the Joker's face is kind of hidden in the picture, mm-hmm. and the, so the audio cassette kind of looks like the Joker's face. Um, I'm kind, kind of, of amused that Batman still owns a tape deck. I, you know, <laughs> but he's, he's he needs to. He's Batman. He probably well, but, has an, uh, a Betamax somewhere he, in there. But he has it in the manor. I could see him having it in the cave, but he's got it in the manor. I mean, I kind of expected to see it an, an eight track there as well. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I I thought that scene, like you said, it was just extremely well done. Um, I gotta say, my favorite scene though of the book, and that was damn close. But uh, the scene where uh, where they look down off of the bridge into the yeah. the water below, and what they see, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, with the Joker, he's like, you know, hey, you know, more than likely I'd get some people with my shenanigans, so I went ahead and just got them. Yeah. I went ahead and skipped to the end so we'd have more time to talk. Oh, that whole scene was brilliant. Yeah. For me, though, the uh, I think the scene I enjoyed most is the conversation between Batman and Nightwing. Just the uh, the character conversation about uh, you know about Alfred. I thought yeah. that was very well done. I can't wait to see the Nightwing tie-in to see what they do with this. Well, and I really enjoyed the the backup feature, which shows the Penguin. Uh, having a sit down with the Joker uh, now that they are not, now that he's back and, and I, I kind of really enjoyed how that went. So I have a question for you guys. <clears throat> do you think the Joker actually knows what he says he knows? I do. I mean, he did, when he talks about how he's you know laying underneath Commissioner Gordon's bed at night listening to him breathe. I, I have a feeling he may know. Oh, well, I mean, I get so that, creepy. but that's Commissioner Gordon. But you know, he's like, I know everything. Blah blah blah. I know all your secret identities. Spoiler. Yes. But I mean, everyone yeah. kind of knows that. Yeah. <laughs> I know who you are. I wrote a book about it. Yeah, but I, I mean, he doesn't actually call him Bruce. So that's my hesitation. to. My, well, that's me thinking that maybe he doesn't. I think they're doing that to leave it and be. I mean, that's kind of the cliffhanger of the book is instead of having it explicitly say the name, leave it a little bit undefined so that people like us can wonder, does he or doesn't he? But I think he probably does. Now, I, I want to take us back to the uh, scene with the, the bodies in the water. Mm. Yeah, I the 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 way the the bodies are there just seems a little weird to me. I think their legs are weighted. I think you probably put yeah. something around their feet, like so, you know, so, uh, along the lines of cement blocks. Although probably something more usable than cement. But mm. yeah, I got the impression they were weighted down. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something better could have been done with the uh, depiction of it. We all got the idea though, right? Yeah, I understood the idea. It just 
I, I don't think that panel was was particularly well executed, but uh, everything else in this book was so good. And I got to tell you, of, of all the artists who are currently drawing the Joker in the storyline, Capullo does that face thing better than any of them. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. The face is awesome. Oh, wow. Because I was going to comment. I thought the face looked better in Batgirl than I'd ever seen it. Oh, see, I had a real problem with it in Batgirl. <laughs> so we, let's talk about Batgirl because I mean Batman number fourteen, it, we love it. Yeah. Um, so girl number fourteen, which is a death of the family crossover. Uh, I'm I'm curious as to hear what you guys thought about it because I know you guys did not read the uh, Jim Gordon Jr. storyline that Scott Snyder wrote in Detective Comics. And that is correct. I did not. Um, so, and there's a and there's quite a, a large Wait reference a to it. Was that in the the volume uh, DC New Fifty Two? Or is that prior no. to New 52? Prior to New 52. Okay. It was the last Detectives comic storyline before the New okay. 52. Yeah, no, I have not read that. It is but, an amazing read, um, so I would highly recommend it. Well, I totally dug this issue, and you know, I had jumped off Batgirl because I, I, I just wasn't very interested in it when it first launched. But I, in fact, I think my last issue of Batgirl was the big reveal of her mom. You know that her mom was back, and I, I really, <laughs> issue one. <laughs> yeah, I think that was my last issue. Um, issue one was my last issue because I hated issue one, but, but I absolutely love this. I thought this issue was fantastic. I really did. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it was the way he drew Joker. Yeah, yeah and I, I was the opposite. I, I thought this was the best of the Jokers out of any of the books. Ugh. I didn't like the art. I didn't. I didn't care for the art on the Joker. I think the art is by Ed Dennis. Yeah. Um, and he does a dynamite Batgirl. Yes, he does. Um, but I just didn't care for the way he drew the Joker. Um, so I, I thought it was a good tie-in to the to the Death of the Family series. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious how they all tie together, and maybe I'm not supposed to overthink it, you know, as to when he has time to do all this other stuff. He's but, omnipresent. Well, yeah, he's all over the place. There are multiple Jokers. That's with right. No faces. That's right. Um, but it, 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 there is a, there is a, an appearance of Jim Gordon Jr. in the issue. Uh, that I, I was wondering if you guys felt a little lost about that, or I, you if you're know, familiar with the character enough I, that you didn't worry about it. I was familiar with him enough to know that he was a bad guy, that she had a brother. You know, uh, I, I haven't read that story, but just from other things that I've read in the books, I, I knew about him. Yeah, and that's all I needed to know. You know, just that he existed and he was evil, and that's really all that you need for the story. Yeah, uh, you know, I I, I loved. I, I'm getting a kick out of how horrific uh, these these stories are, and the fact that you know he presents Babs with a ring, and the way he presents her with the ring um, is uh, is pretty gruesome. Oh yeah, and so I mean, I really I'm 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 liking the tie-ins. I'm uh-huh. liking the way these got, and I, I like the way that Gail Simone wrote this issue, and I enjoyed the last issue of Batgirl. I picked up a uh, number thirteen because it had the uh, the Joker uh, face cover, uh huh, because um, I picked up Batman digitally, so I didn't get the the mask thing, right? So I picked up Batgirl number fourteen or thirteen, and I, I enjoyed that issue too. So I'm 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 probably on board Batgirl at least through this story. Sure, uh, same here, same here. In fact, I'll probably I'm I, I am enjoying the Death of the Family story so much that I'm probably going to pick up Nightwing, which I've been off of since issue one. I am definitely. Because they've said that uh, this is going to be the defining Nightwing and Joker story because there's never really been one. So I am very curious what they have planned for it. Yeah, I'm also like curious to hear what you guys have to say about Batman and Robin because I didn't realize it was a tie-in. Well, a very yeah, forced tie-in. Right. It's, 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 it is, and it's also someone, I think, 
they they kind of force it in there just as a segue into probably because it is going to start next month actually being part of the the, the tie-in, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, so this this was kind of a yeah this is kind of a forced thing at the end to connect a little bit of the storyline for the last two issues yeah. into the death of the family storyline. And, and of course, when they were talking in the in issue what thirteen of. Batman and Robin. They, um, they mentioned it. They referenced. Yeah, they referenced that you know Joker's loose, and then they do the same thing in 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 Batman and Robin fourteen. But uh, so it wasn't a direct tie-in, but you know it's happening around the same events. And you know, and, go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, while this this the main story that's been going on thirteen and fourteen hasn't really interested me. It very much feels like filler uh, for them to do the timing for death of the I, family correctly. I did really enjoy the juxtaposition on this first page of all these very fancy succulent foods, and then and then the zombies <laughs> eat to live, live to eat. I really like that that yeah. alternating panel style as you go down the page of you know you know nice red steak, uh, yeah. someone gnawing on someone's hand, you yeah, know, nice juicy buttery corn, <laughs> someone about to bite some lady's neck. Yeah, it, it was. I I did enjoy that. I. Uh... You know, when I read Batman and Robin 13, I was like, you know what? That, I'm not really into this story. You know, I because I, I like like yourself, I felt like it was filler. I felt like it was, you know, something to just kind of bridge, you know, into the timing of death of the family. But I got to tell you, I really enjoyed being in, in Damien's head in this book, you know, and how he was working. And, you know, he was he was committed to save the civilians. And I got to tell you, this whole book was worth it for the last page. You know, the scene yeah, between Bruce right. and Damien. I mean, I love that last page. It is a good, good last page. And remember, this is the, the, the story that started with the two of them going up together in the rocket to check on the satellite. Yeah. Which was yeah. another great scene. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice bookend. I like, you know, we're so used to, to Bruce just being cold and, you know, the, the, the relationship that, that he and Dick had, you know, was there was this grudging respect, but it wasn't a very – Bruce did not allow himself to be warm or tender towards Dick. Um but you, you're getting that in Batman and Robin, and I do like the the whole you know Batman and his son kind of story, and, and I like these these little moments that we get from time to time. I like when we get to see Damien being a boy. There was that scene where he's just asleep on his dog, right? You know, and and I just I'm really digging those scenes because they they are so, such a contrast to what a little bastard that kid is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well. It, I, I, I giggled a little bit when Aaron said that Bruce was warm and tender towards Dick. <laughs> Grow up, and, uh, God. Uh, uh, geez, Jesus, Paul. This, not, this is not that type of podcast. That's right. Good God. You're a highbrow here. That's right. <laughs> At least until January. At least until Saga. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if you guys noticed, but on page four, there's uh, that, that, that guy in Saga's little brothers on page four of Batman and Robin 14. <laughs> I'm having to flip back to Batman and Robin and just see what the hell we're talking about. Kind of the lower third of the page. This is awesome podcasting. This is – oh, yes, I see what you're saying. Yes, it's see his little brother. Yes. Very but, nice. You know, editing can fix that. It won't, but it can't. Truncate <laughs> silence will fix that, which is a nifty little tool. Um, so, yeah, if, you know, Batman Robin 14, I'm, I'm excited about it becoming part of the more fully part of the death of the family storyline. Yeah. In general, next. though, I didn't care for these two issues. I mean, Paul, pull your head out of your ass. Yeah, no. Paul, there were blue. There were good moments. But the zombie storyline itself. Yeah. I don't, 
I don't oh. know if you guys noticed there was a scene where you know Batman's driving and he's you know he's doing the the analysis of of the blood work in the in the Batmobile and he's you know trying to talk to Damien and there's several panels of of Batman's head. I really felt like uh, that was done in a Neil Adams sort of tribute style. Loved it. I I thought that Patrick Gleason's pencils on this book were fantastic. Well, the artist changed for like the majority of the book, though. Is that Tomas Giarello who did that? Probably. Because I think Patrick Leeson only did the beginning and the end of the issue. You may be right. But go on, Paul. Finish. I, I, I was trying to be funny and interrupt you. Go ahead and finish. No, no. I mean, I, 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 do, I, I thought the zombie storyline was weak. I did, too. I, I, did, I, liked, I just liked everything else. Artist change. Yeah. I hated the artist change. You know, the artist change bugged the shit out of me in Batman 13, Batman and Robin 13. Not so much in this book. I thought really? it worked pretty well together in this book. I thought it was very jarring at the end where it switches to Tomasi, and I'm like, whoa, this is totally different. And I don't know. I mean, I, I like you said, I enjoyed the beginning sequence with Damien and Bruce. I enjoyed the ending sequence with Damien and Bruce. It's the middle chunk that I just didn't care for. Um, well, I mean, that's why I don't like how they tied this into the Joker. That's why we we always talk about um, the thing we like about Batman and Robin is that it's it's Batman and Son. And so it, I don't think it's surprising that the parts we like most about this book are the ones that are Batman and Son and the, the action and fighting sequences are, are less so. I mean, even back to the Nameless storyline, I could care less about the fights with Nameless. Yeah. It was much more about the relationship between Bruce and Damien. Well, and it seems, I mean, the whole thing about the zombies, it doesn't seem to flow with what the Joker's doing. You know, it seems like a forced tie-in. It does. Like, oh, it's the Joker who did it. And it's like, okay, well, but that's not anything like what he's doing in the other books. You know, so I don't know. It just didn't it didn't work for me necessarily on that aspect. But, you know, like we said, beginning sequence, great ending sequence. Great. I'm looking forward to seeing how the tie ins work out. Um, I do hope Tomasi, you know, does do the full issues for those because I don't like the switch in art. Yeah. Well, the the artwork was done by uh, Patrick Gleason and Tomas Giarello. Sorry. Yeah. Gleason. Tomasi's the writer. Correct. And. you know, like I said, I, I I didn't think it worked too well in, in thirteen, but I think fourteen I, they 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 blended really well to me. Hmm. My favorite so. part of this book is when you know Damon's talk Damien's talking to the guy about the the train and explain how you know it was a secret transport between <laughs> between uh, Gotham and DC when the president used to pay visits and and the guy goes, how do you know that? And his answer is, uh, I read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Let's move from three Death of the Family books to a whole bunch of Marvel Now. <laughs> there, there were an ass ton of Marvel Now books this week. Yeah. Well, uh, are we five. talking about uh, what size ass are we talking about here? Uh, I can't uh, tell you until January. God. <laughs> uh, we're gonna miss Wayne. Not really. Um, there were there were five Marvel Now books. I think we're gonna talk about four this week, starting with all new X Men, the Brian Michael Bendis, Stuart Amonin X Men book, where the uh, the past X Men time travels to the current times. I was looking forward to this book. I, I uh, was too. I think this was probably the Marvel Now book I most look forward to. I'm looking forward to some, you know, uh, some of the ones that they've announced since then. Like, I'm kind of interested in the Uncanny X-Men coming up and some of the other ones. But, uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to this book, and I think it's a bi-weekly book. I know that at least the next issue is out in two weeks. I don't know if it's going to be an ongoing bi-weekly, but I know that the next issue is in two weeks. So, uh, let's, uh, Wayne, what, since you didn't, you know, you didn't read the last book, we'll, we'll give you first dibs on this one. What do you think of all new X-Men? 
I love this book, with the exception of Iceman. He bothers me beginning to end every time we see him. Is it Both. because of his design? Uh, it's a couple things. One is that he's always in ice form. If he's stuck in ice form, they didn't mention it, and I don't know why. If he's not stuck in ice form, why is he always in ice form? And just his, uh, he seems kind of like a whiny little bitch throughout the book. Other than that, though, I love this book. I am, uh, I'm happy to be back on an X book right now because I plan on continuing to buy it. Aaron? I uh, I also was looking forward to the book, and I have to say I thought this book rocked pretty damn hard. Stuart Amonin's uh, artwork was was off the hook. I mean, shit, the artwork in this book is beautiful. Especially um, Beast. This is yeah. the best-looking Beast we've seen in a long time. Yeah, you can tell that, that Amonin is all in on this book. You can tell that, that you know it's really tickling his passion because uh, every page is just stunningly gorgeous. Um, I, I, let me say a moment about uh, the AR reader for this book. Um, I think this is one of the books that's had the nicest utilization of the uh, the Marvel augmented reader. For instance, on the panel, uh, like uh, two pages in, or yeah, after the first page, with Beast, you know, on the floor in pain, you know, due to his ongoing uh, cellular decay. Um, the AR reader for that one gives you a nice little review of who the beast is, where he started from, where he's going, kind of gives you his backstory. It's not just a little 10-second blurb. It's, not, it's a nice little mini-documentary of the beast. Um, of course, you also have you know those pages where uh, you know it gives you the you know pencils to ink to colors uh, kind of information on the reader. But by far, my favorite AR that they have ever done since they've started employing the AR, is the page where we're back in the past, where Scott Summers is writing his letter to Gene, and Beast uh, comes through the door with Bobby, and they're both looking all disheveled and haggard, and, you know, I'm through, Scott, I've had it, you know, because a mob had gotten to them, you know, an anti-mutant mob. Um, they show, you know, they, sh- they show the page in the reader, and then they go back to the original X-Men book, from where this page was taken and show you how that was done when Stan Lee was writing the book. Oh, and that is awesome. It was bad ass. And I'm just like, yes, this is exactly the kind of material that they need to put in the augmented reader. It was fantastic. Hmm. I like that idea. I, 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 I might have to fiddle with it. It was great. I, I really enjoyed the augmented reader on this book. See, and I just uninstalled the augmented reader because I've been disappointed in it. <laughs> well, and you know, I, I we're still very early in in this technology that Marvel's employing. I just think that they're they're doing more with it now, and I I just totally dug it. Totally dug it. Well, I will I say think- I, w- I was kind of hoping that there would be a, a Marvel Infinite you know embedded in this, like uh, we had with uh, uh, AVX, since you know all new X Men was going to be such a such a big book for Marvel. Sadly, no. But I did like what we got in the AR reader. Well, I do think that Marvel needs to come up with some type of or, or Comixology needs to come up with some type of update that the augmented stuff is accessible through the digital version. Completely agree. I, I you know, because I'll, I'll buy the Marvel books uh, hard copy, but I, I, I will generally read from my digital copy. Um, and I do wish that you could thumb over the, the panels to get the AR content or at least link over to the AR, the, the AR app. Yeah, I've pretty much decided that if a Marvel book comes with a free digital copy, I'll buy the paper copy. Right. Um, but if it doesn't, then I'll just get it digitally. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what I've been doing. But I enjoyed All New X-Men quite oh, a bit. God, it was good. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't realize that Scott Summers had escaped. 
I guess that's happening in, in AVX consequences. Yeah, I guess so. And you, know, you don't need to know about, you know, that to know that Scott Summers apparently is like the new Magneto. I had one qualm with this book. And it's it's a big one because it's the it's the core concept of the story that Beast would go back to the past to bring in the old X-Men to talk Scott, to talk to Scott now, but not when he was the Phoenix and ready to destroy everything in the universe. He didn't have I, the idea. He didn't have Bobby Drake there to give it to him. Yeah, I think it was a matter of they when that was happening, everything was happening so fast. He didn't have time to stop and think about that. And he didn't have all of his resources because they were on the run. Well, How's he going to get a time machine in Zen La? And I, I kind of think that part of it's got to do with that whole, you know, cellular decay or the, the ongoing mutation that he's got. Because I think he's going to experiment on himself. I think that he part of part of the reason he's bringing him is the excuse is to bring Scott forward to talk to Scott. But I think he's going to do something to, you know, past Beast to fix current Beast. Yeah, that's that, I like that an idea there. Yeah. No, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, Bendis' take on the X-Men quite a bit more than I enjoyed Bendis' take on the X-Men in AVX. So uh, I, uh, I think we need to immediately – I think we need to, to get our bets in. Who bangs past Jean Grey first? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like Red State and it's going to be three guys all at one time? Probably. Yeah, okay. I, I somehow want to see Gambit do it because that would be ironic <laughs> to me. <laughs> it'll be it, – you know what? It'll be Cable. That's creepy. <laughs> no, I, I I enjoyed it. I am definitely on board for at least the first storyline, um, and so then I, I, unlike because I think this is the second Marvel Now book I've read. Uh-huh. No, no, there were a couple last week. There was Iron Man last week, but so far out of the bunch, this has been my favorite. Yeah, it was awfully damn good. So not a Marvel Now book, but uh, a kind of an, an ending to get ready for the new Marvel Now book. Um, new Avengers number thirty three came out this week, written by Bendis. Um, with art by Michael Avon Oming, uh, the the creative team from Powers and Takio. Uh, so I think this is the next to last issue of New Avengers. I think you're correct. And so uh, a couple of things that of note in this issue is apparently Victoria Hand is dead, which I didn't gather from previous issues. Did you she, guys get th- that she was dead? Uh, yes, I did from the from the end of the last book, but I don't think she's really dead. I think she's I think you know it's spiritual, and I think that everything gets made better in the end. But we'll see. Yeah. LMB. So this is this is kind of tying back to the first arc of this current New Avenger storyline with uh, Brother Voodoo, who is back and and revenging on the Avengers. Aaron, what'd you think of this book? Um, now I really like Brian Michael Bendis and his, uh, new Avengers run. Um, I love the characters in this book, but what I did not care for in the book was the application of, uh, the oming artwork to the story. Uh, and I know they're kind of doing their victory lap on, uh, you know, bringing in guest artists for, for the final series and, you know, oming and, and Bendis have, have certainly had a tremendous run on their creator owned property, uh, powers. And I think oming's artwork is fantastic for powers it doesn't lend itself to an Avengers story, particularly this Avengers story. Um, I I hated the artwork. I hated the artwork so much that I didn't want to read the book. And let me tell you something else that pissed me off about this book. You know, we, we have reduced page counts in comics these days. And so by all means, let's go ahead and retell the uh, last page of the last book and the first page of this book. Not just the last page, like two pages worth. Yeah, I mean, two or it, three pages worth. I'm just like, come on, you know, we, we just read this. 
And I mean, I just really and it, and it bugs me that the scene's not even set the same because, you know, in the last book, uh, Damien Hellstrom is sitting at the table in this book, Damien Hellstrom's laying on the floor. And it's at the same moment that, you know, Dr. Strange comes into the room, bugs me. It, it, it's, it's a minor thing about continuity, but if you're going to retell the same page, get the details right. I just couldn't take the art. I mean, oh, the, the art, art was, was awful. So bad. It's it, like I was reading an episode of Superhero Squad. I mean, they were so cartoony and miniaturized, and, yeah. and the proportions were all wrong, and, and, and I, it, the and art it, was awful. And again, I think it works well for Powers. You know, I don't read – it could, I, I, but I haven't read Powers, but in this book, it, it's just – it distracted so much from the story, yeah. which it may or may not be a good story. I don't know. I was just so – Yeah, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. I did not care for the artwork at all. I've not enjoyed the storyline at all. And, I mean, it's artwork aside. And and let's throw this out. You know, cover page. I mean, the the, the cover by uh, Mike Diodato. Um, scene didn't happen in the book. <laughs> yeah. So either it spoils something from next issue, or it totally has nothing to do with this with the art. Yeah. Right. And that's really kind of been the way on all of these books. I mean, the cover is just kind of some random images, you know, with characters that are in it, but the story doesn't really happen to them. Yeah, I I, I I am not digging the storyline. I, I am I am just it doesn't flow with the characterization of Brother Voodoo that we saw when he became Doctor Voodoo. Yeah. You know, and yes, I know in the first arc his brother died and he went angry and you know, and he said he don't care to revenge. Nonetheless, this characterization doesn't fit him. The possession thing has not been previously established at all. And okay, so he has a new power, he can possess people, whatever. Well, it, and it, it 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 doesn't make sense that this is how he to get his revenge. And doesn't you know? it just feel like another fucking scroll story? Essentially, I mean, because you know you, you you can't trust the guy around you, and I'm like, okay, well, we've had this story before, you know. So I, I I'm I'm just not jazzed about it. Um, for somebody like myself who has been eagerly awaiting the return of Doctor Voodoo and a really good Doctor Strange story, uh, this ain't it. And I'm disappointed and you know by that. I would read a Doctor Strange story drawn by Michael Avon Oming. Mm-hmm. I think he could do a Doctor Strange book. I don't think he can do an Avengers book. Yeah. And also, I just – considering that the Brother Voodoo story or Doctor Voodoo story with the art by Stuart Amonin is probably one of my favorite Bendis stories in mm-hmm. his entire run on New Avengers and Avengers. Yeah. This is such a vast disappointment as the sequel to that storyline. Yeah. And and it's kind of a crappy way to end up. And just like, honestly, I, I feel the same way, and we'll probably talk about this next week, with the Avengers Micronauts storyline. They, they they are just very disappointing ways to, to end his arc. Yeah, no, I agree. But let's, okay, but let's talk about a good Avengers story. No, 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 let me, let me correct that. A great Avengers story. Uh, am I the only one that read Avengers Assemble this week? You are not. <laughs> Did you read it, Paul? I did. Was it was it motherfucking awesome? <laughs> it was quite good. Holy crap, this book was good. Kelly Sue DeConnick killed it. Stefan, Stefano Caselli killed it. This book was fantastic. This was exactly what I want in an Avengers story. Kelly Sue DeConnick is uh, Matt Fraction's wife. I know. I know. Shocker. I know. And uh, this was awesome. But you know what? Stefano Caselli, I love that guy. That yeah, guy, no, yeah. he, he, he draws the hell out of a book. Well, and this was a perfect book to put him on. And I don't recall ever having seen him draw the Hulk or at least spend so much time on the Hulk. And the Red Hulk. His Hulk. Hulk is amazing. His Hulk is the Hulk. His Hulk is huge. He's gigantic. He's got scale. I just love his Hulk. Um, I love 
the scene, how he drew the scenes where, uh, you know, Hulk's like, you know, I make my own decisions. You know, you're, you're not the boss of me. And so Spider-Woman goes, make me a sandwich. And so, you know, you got Hulk messing around in the kitchen making a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it's This is the book that fans of the movie should be reading. Absolutely. Now that Bendis is off of it, and it's very much tied into that. It is very much like... You know, the Hulk is the characterization you get in the movie. You know, Iron Man is the Iron Man of the movie. So, I mean, th- this is these are the characters from the movie just put on the comic book page. And um, I wish they had restarted with number one. Yeah, you know, she wanted a number one, but they, they decided not to do it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It, that's a, a disappointment because the first eight issues of Avengers Assemble almost have nothing to do with this. With You know, I mean, it was it, yeah, it was it, like – Yeah, it feels like a complete reset. Wow. Uh-huh. If they would have given her a number one, I would have bought it. Oh God! I this there is the some of my favorite moments of this book are just them you know hanging out at Avengers Tower or you know yeah Avengers Tower, and you know it's the comment it's the contrast between Banner and Stark and how you know Dower and 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 uh, a Downer the Banner can be versus you know uh, the razzle dazzle aspect of of Tony Stark. This book is so good. It's just yeah. so good. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah. Anyone who you know who, who dug the Avengers movie is afraid to hop into Avengers continuity. Um, I think this is just a, a new reader friendly book. Yes, it's not an issue one, but it has zero to do with issues one through eight. Um, so highly recommend it, and a yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous Avengers book. Ugh. Highly recommend it. Yeah, um, and 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 book of the week. I mean, there's in a in a week crowded with excellent books. This was my book of the week. I don't know. I'd probably still go with Batman 14 online, but um, I, I, for me, this, this is it. I mean, this took me so by surprise on how good it was going to be. Uh, you know, uh, well, speaking of surprises, you know, what book took me by surprise. What's that? Fantastic four. Number one. Oh my God. Also an excellent book. I loved yeah. the story. Well, here's the yeah. thing. I loved the story. Uh huh. I didn't care for the art. Really? The Mark Bagley art isn't working for me. Oh, I thought Mark Bagley did a great job on this book. Yeah. I agree. I, I'm a big fan of Bagley from his ultimate time. I and feel this, like Bagley is the guy you bring in because you know the book's going to get out on time. So you know Fantastic Four. First of all, he's not going to leave the title for a while. He does tend to kind of dig in, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, unlike Uncanny Avengers, this book's going to be on time. Right. I, it, but ultimately, I feel the strength of the book was the story. Yeah, absolutely. Fraction nailed it. Yeah. No, it was a good week for uh, the Fraction DeConnick household because uh, this book was also really very good. Um, now, did you have a moment? Because I did. When on Johnny's date in the negative zone, for a moment, I thought that was Mary Jane. <laughs> and he was there with them. I'm like, oh, the, you because know, I, I was scanning the page and I, you know, I see the woman and she's got red hair and she's got it kind of worn like uh, Mary Jane wears her hair. And then, you know, I look over to that right side where it looks like he's given her a ring and I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. Peter is not going to like this. And then, you know, you find out that it's not Mary Jane, you know, but there was that moment. I just like, that's Mary Jane. That would be funny. Digitally or physically? Uh, I read it physically. Uh, because her hair doesn't look red to me. It looks pink. Well, and I just thought maybe that was a coloring choice. But no, that would have been awesome if that were actually the case. <laughs> but, but no, I didn't have that moment. I, uh, I I quite enjoyed this book. I, I feel it had a lot of the same sensibility and feeling of Hickman's, mm-hmm. which was what I was worried about. Yeah, you know, I, I I thought, you know, the the one thing Fraction doesn't seem to do well is the emotional aspect of a book. Yeah, 
And um, that's kind of what he actually focused on in this issue. There wasn't much in the way of action. It was all, you know, here are the Fantastic Four. Here's a moment with each one of them. Yeah, so you understand. So you understand what each character is all about. So you have the the Invisible Woman scene. You've got the Mister Fantastic scene, the Thing scene, the Johnny Storm scene, and that's essentially all this issue had. Mm-hmm. You know, was, Did was you these ever character think beats. you would say that a book doesn't focus on action when it starts off with them in the mouth of a T Rex? Uh, not not just the mouth of a T Rex. That looked like Devil Dinosaur to me. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was, but it, yeah, it did look like Devil Dinosaur to me. But I mean, again, yeah, I, it, but it's it's a that's a fantastic form moment. Yeah. to me, it's yeah. not a, a an issue long fight scene. It's you know, it's a setup for you know this thing with Reed. Apparently, his molecules are falling apart, and you know, good concepts. I just I I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. I love the solution, you know, for the broken dinner table is to flip the fantastic car upside down and eat off the the bottom of it. <laughs> I got a huge kick out of that. I got a kick out of uh, men asking, "How do you delete things off the internet?" <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and that's the AR reader is uh, the the animation and voiceover of the uh, new tube video featuring uh, the thing. Nice. nice. What new tube? New tube. Oh, okay. I'm a little disappointed. I, I thought they would go to nude tube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be better. <laughs> not with the thing on it but, no uh, no you get to see you know his his big orange lumpy thing <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, i was I, very I thought, surprised though i i didn't expect this book to be good and it was awesome it was really very good a close runner-up for book of the week for me yeah and uh 299 i'm surprised they went with 299 on this book i am too i i, I was a little uh, surprised uh, by that I, I, I guess they figure Avengers books they can charge three ninety nine and people will pay it, but yeah. maybe not a Fantastic Four book. Maybe, but I would have paid three ninety nine and gotten the free digital code. Yep, I didn't but, notice the price, so yeah, I would have paid it. I uh, what I am curious about, and you guys probably don't know, I just haven't kept track because I thought I was jumping off all the FF books. Which one is going to follow the Fantastic Four, as in this batch, and which one is going to follow the replacements? Um, this is going to follow. The, the actual, you know, right. the one, the, these four, and FF is going to follow the replacements. That's okay. correct. That's yeah. what I was hoping for because I want to see. This is the story I want to keep reading. Yeah, you're yeah. going to have Matt Fraction and Mike Alred on FF, and you'll you'll continue to have Matt Fraction and Mark Bagley on Fantastic Four. FF is the book I'm more worried about. <laughs> I am too. I, I'm I'm going to get I'm going to give issue one a shot, but I, I do have some concerns about that book. Yeah. You know what I see. read? What I read this, the first thing I thought was. The funnies are going to be very interesting this year. Fraction, in my opinion, is going to lose his worst writer award this year. Oh yeah, I could say that now. I mean, especially just yeah. from Hawkeye alone. Absolutely. Yeah. The dude has has knocked it out of the park this year. So, Aaron, sir, let's talk about another Marvel Now book, issue one of Thor, God of Thunder. I uh, was looking forward to this book, mm-hmm. and while I enjoyed it and will pick up issue two, it's not telling a Thor story that I am particularly interested in. It is telling a fantasy Thor story. It's not telling a superhero Thor story. Yeah, it's not telling a Thor story in our world. It's telling a Thor story, you know, out in space, which we knew Jason Aaron was going to do. Um, it's telling a Thor story that 
is set in past, present, and future. You're seeing Thor as a very young man. You're seeing – or a very young god. You're seeing Thor current day, and you're seeing Kor, uh, Thor. <laughs> you're seeing Thor thousands of years in the future uh, as, as the sole remaining survivor of As at Asgard. All of it's interesting. It just isn't doing a whole lot for me. Yeah. Uh, it's I, not what I want from a Thor book. It's and not. I want to see the fantasy integrated with the Marvel U. I don't right. just want to see the fantasy. And there's a place for that. And I know there yeah. are fans of Thor who like that stuff. But the best Thor stories, uh, the JMS run, the Kieran Gillen run, the Walt Simonson run, uh, are, are the stories – I are the Dan Jurgens run – are the stories I feel – that integrate both of them. Yeah, and you know, I felt like you know all three segments of this story, past, present, and future, are all things that I would have loved to have seen as a a side story in you know set inside the Marvel U, you know, where he's fighting a bad guy and it makes him think about this thing that happened, you know, five hundred years ago, or we see a glimpse of the future because you know what's happening today is going to impact that. But the fact that you know he was so far removed from anything we know in the Marvel universe. And the fact – this is one of those things that irritates me when they do these Thor stories. You know, They'll create an entire race of gods that's been missing for millennia. And huh, you know, nobody ever missed these guys. <laughs> you know? uh, I, I just – I can't say I'm particularly interested in the villain. You know, we're talking about you know, the god butcherer. Um, but I got to say I did enjoy the art. I did enjoy, you know, the the visual depiction of Thor throughout the book, um, and the AR application on this does a nice, you know, kind of I wouldn't call it a motion comic, but it is a a there is movement through the artwork uh, and a voiceover of the last pages of Future Thor, you know, uh, it was again I was entertained, but it wasn't it was not anywhere near the. Uh, the satisfaction that I got out of Fantastic Four or Avengers Assemble this week. Agreed. And uh, I, I got to say, one thing that um, I'm thinking about, mm. this story feels like it's going to be read a lot better in trade. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I see that, and I think I'm going to pull issue two, and then if, it, if, it, if I get the same vibe out of issue two, I will probably wait for the trade. But, it, you know, the, the Esad Ribic uh, artwork is beautiful to look at. And my own my only complaint is that it's not happening in what what feels like the Marvel universe. You know, I want to see I want to see Thor interacting in the world because we just haven't had a whole lot of that. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, eh. uh, not the greatest start, but not not bad. Right, right. And certainly not as good as Saga number seven, of course. Oh, oh, saga. Saga is back. They stopped. You know, they had a little break there for a, a month or so. Uh, the, the the trade has come out collecting the first six issues, and Saga number seven came out this weekend. So or sorry, good. this week. So good, Aaron. So good. It, it is. The the in laws are there. There's all sorts of family issues, and of course, I saw your big brother. He, he they. I think they use some photo uh, photo modeling <laughs> for page eighteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I mean, I, I was like, wow. I, there's a resemblance there. Um, <laughs> you would know it. So, so <laughs> disturbing. I, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> there is this wonderful page. In, don't, don't look up, Mom. <laughs> there's this wonderful page in the middle of, of, of Saga number seven with the you know giant creature and his massive, massive ball sack. 
I mean, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh. Oh, this is this disturbing. Don't look at mom. Oh, there's nothing. I, no, really, don't don't look, mom. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, like, love, I don't read this book, but every I we have a review copy, and I always have to look at these horrible pages you guys point to, and I feel like I should take his advice. Yeah, I shouldn't look up any of this. Yeah, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Right. When I I love the talk between you know uh, dad and and daughter in law back on the ship with Hazel. Yeah. Um. I, I thought especially when he had to come with his one secret. I thought that was pretty. Uh. I thought that was pretty spectacular. Um. And I'm curious to see what he's going to do now that he's got Hazel and and you know mom's unconscious. Um. I'm intrigued to see what his motivation is. All things considered. I just I I just so heart this book. I, I do. I, I I just love it. I I love Saga. What did you think about the Will sitting there watching old tapes, home movies, if you will, that he made with the stalk? Yeah, I, I, you know, he, he misses her. <laughs> so disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's honestly for me because, you know, on the scene they just show the stalk's face. But right. but you know all we, the legs are. Right, and the big bulbous abdomen. And you're just like, you tr- my brain tries to fill in the rest of that picture around her face. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, don't worry. I'm sure you'll get to see more of that later. <laughs> with this book yeah probably yeah no i just i i i cannot get over how much i like this book and i picked is, up the uh the, the trade for uh volume one I'll, I'll say it again it's like nothing else that you're gonna find in comic books can i just say you know uh, speaking of trades for a moment i picked sure. up uh shinku volume one this week mm-hmm. uh, which is a lovely trade collection and uh, also picked up uh danger club you know i went to go pick up shinku uh-huh. um but unfortunately, they didn't have any. I, I didn't go to the comic book shop. I'm I'm thinking that perhaps they're going to get to Barnes and Noble a week after, perhaps. Yeah, it's like t- usually two weeks at least. So I, I am watching for Shinku and Shinku uh, and Saga both because yeah. uh, I would like to pick up both those and, and trade. Just love those. Last books. trade I picked up was uh, Earth One Superman Volume Two, but I had a problem getting that first week, and that I absolutely loved that book. As hearing you guys talk about it, I was. Uh, I was very upset that I didn't have a chance to get it the week it came out, but I got it the next week and it was wonderful. I, I'm I'm just loving the books, loving the well, books. This was is... such an incredible week for comics. I mean, books that we don't weren't talking about would normally be books of the week for this week, yeah. you know, for other weeks. But yeah, it was, it was so a, good books. It was a good week. Yeah, it was a good week. So, uh, Wayne, did you read uh, Invincible ninety seven? I did. Why don't you tell us about that? The uh, so they're le- they're doing their big lead up to uh, 100, and this story has probably one of the most disturbing scenes I've seen in a comic book in a long time. More, I think more disturbing was, uh, than Saga. <laughs> more emotionally disturbing than. Saga. Oh, okay. All right, all right. I, I think that uh, this was why Paul had originally wanted to talk about it. You get the origin of this character that's been filling in for Invincible here. Is uh, the guy's name's Bulletproof. And he was a twin brother. And you find out all about how he got his powers from his brother experimenting on him. And how he, all of this time he's been playing the role of both him and his brother because his brother died in the process. And he hasn't been telling his parents this. And his parents are just these utter bitter people that hate one of their sons and love their other one. So he's getting both of that. It just leads to the scene in the book that... I don't want to spoil it for anyone that reads this in trade. 
even for Invincible, it's a shocking scene. And they immediately follow it up with a, uh, a scene at, a, at Comic-Con with a creator that's talking about shocking things in comic books and how, you know, they really they do them as a lead up to issue 100s and how uh, he figures if he can convince the readers that everything will return to the normal feel afterwards, <coughs> it won't be that big of a deal. And it was just amusing to see basically someone as a stand-in for, uh, for Kirkman giving the whole comic book explanation of why things get big leading up to 100. Hmm. And there's a lot of sex in the book, too. Oh, yeah, well, good deal. Yeah. I think when you get, I know you read it in uh, trade, don't you, Aaron? I do. I think you'll be uh, very happy with this when you get to this part of the story. The, uh, the previous storyline really had me going, too. There was uh, a main story that I wasn't really all that interested in with Mark and them, but Robot and Monster Girl had a, you know, basically a backstory going that was incredible. I would love to, you know, get that all in trade just to have instead of the individual issues. I love Robot. Now, I, I have to say I'm worried about what's going to happen in issue 100. Kirkman likes to kill favorite characters. In a bloody and gruesome manner. In a bloody and gruesome manner. Yeah. I, I'm afraid for Eve. I, I'm afraid he is going to kill her, and I, I like her character. And that wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all yeah. because because we have become very comfortable with Eve and we like Eve. I could absolutely see him killing her off in, in issue one hundred. Yeah, I mean, I am really afraid of who he's going to kill because he's going to kill someone. Yeah, it would. I would actually be shocked if he didn't. So I'm kind of hoping that's the direction he goes. Is the surprising no one dies? Yeah, even though the name of the story is Death of Everyone. So you're yeah. really saying he, he, you hope he embraces a Peter Parker mentality of, of no one dies. No one dies, yeah. No one dies yeah. when I'm around, yeah. That would be nice for a, uh, and it would really be so shocking in a story called Death of Everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one died. I didn't see that coming. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, on the feed this week uh, is the second episode of Three Beers and a Scotch. So, uh, you know, if you haven't uh, taken a listen to that, please do. And uh, otherwise, you guys go out there and make it a fantastic Thanksgiving. Yeah, man, you enjoy Skyfall. I, I, I can't wait. I'm going to see it tonight. Woo! Skyfall. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.